Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. everyone. Welcome back to Security Token Show, episode 15. My name is Kyle Sondland. And I'm Herwick Konings. And today, we've got a great episode on how security tokens are officially legal. Now, Herwick, they've maybe been legal in some jurisdictions, as we've been talking about over the last couple of episodes. Clickbait much, Kyle? But I think that the reality is that it's important to clarify these things. Um, you know, we're going to cover a lot of the recent processes around the world of defining these things and quite frankly, make sure that everyone knows that they are legal. I actually was speaking with someone this week providing, you know, some, some context on the industry and they were actually convinced that security tokens are illegal here in the U S and, and like we've seen in a lot of jurisdictions alongside the U S that's just not the case. And it's this confusion that's what is a major problem. And so thanks to countries all around the world passing new laws to make security tokens a legitimate and official technology, uh, we're going to see crazy adoption that we expect sometime in 2020 as most of these jurisdictions look to be coming into effect around 2020. But first, as always, let's do the news, Kyle. Let's get into it. And for our listeners that have been listening for a while now, we're going to optimize our news section to focus first on our companies of the week because naturally that's the biggest news that's happening in the week and at least to us the most exciting and why we've chosen those companies. So I'm going to get started and actually continue on our trend here with the saga of the Spencer Dinwiddie STL. That is in fact my, my company of the week because Spencer has decided to continue moving forward with the STO, sticking to his guns. We had gone briefly into the the issues last week regarding the CBA, essentially the issue being that the NBA did not want to assign or let Spencer assign his contract to a third party. And it is his belief and, and intention and why he's moving forward that this actually has nothing to do with that because he has the contract and it's not going to anyone else but himself. And he is simply reassigning the returns and the profits afterwards in a separate entity outside of the regulation of the NBA, and therefore it's a completely safe uh, deal to move forward with. And as we talked about on a whole episode around how this is going to create a new disruptive world of tokenized finance for sports, I think this is major. That's why they deserve it. It's back on. The news is that we will get more information October 21st. Hopefully Kyle can get us some real details on the actual offering itself. But for now, I'm just super excited that the NBA didn't manage to squash this exciting innovation. Definitely. And I have nothing but praise for Spencer Dinwiddie. I've been very impressed with him and his level of education and the care that he's taken in structuring this deal and being clear and, and upfront about the process. And he actually mentioned this week on Twitter about how they actually never were going to call this offering off. It actually was never never canceled to begin with, it actually they had just decided to delay it a week 
to allow the NBA the time to respond and hopefully to get their approval because they would prefer to be in partnership with the NBA in this. Obviously, if it is a hostile situation, it, as Spencer is saying, that doesn't actually affect whether this offering can go live or not. But obviously, it's his place of employment, and he'd like this to be something that other athletes can take advantage of at a more scalable level. And so they're, they're trying to get the NBA on board, and, and I think you get a great summary there. It's, this is not super surprising for us because we actually agreed on this, this kind of process. Last week. I think if you were considering investing, it is for sure nice to have the NBA's blessing on this <laughs> as opposed to otherwise. But again, huge, huge progress. But I'm curious, Kyle, what do you have? Who's your company of the week? So my company of the week is actually Fundament Group. And Fundament Group is, uh, is a, a company based out of Europe who, who is working with a, a huge new investor. Um, they got strategic investment from Bowens Group. And so Balance Group is one of the top three project developers by volume in Germany for real estate. And with investment in both residential and commercial real estate, including the former Unilever headquarters Emporio Tower, um, which is a, one of the most iconic buildings in Hamburg, Germany. Mm-hmm. And so Balance actually acquired a 15% stake in the firm in September after a few months of negotiations. And so Fundament Group actually reached out to me directly on Twitter and wanted to let us know about their news. So... Um, as the German issuance platform, they're now you know working with. They just got approval for their two hundred fifty million dollar German real estate deal that went live October eighth. So that's that's live now. A two hundred fifty million dollar real estate deal. Actually, and euro. So that's a two hundred and eighty million dollar. There you go. Good catch. Yeah, it's easy to to mix those up. And so two hundred eighty million dollars or two hundred fifty million euro real estate deal. So now on top of that, Bowens Group, which has just acquired 15% of the firm, has more than a, supposedly more than $7 billion in projects ready to be tokenized wow. with Fundament Group. That is no joke, man. That is a huge asset pool. And after Fundament Group already going live with their 250 million euro deal, it seems like they're looking to ramp this up and, and have the capacity to make this happen. I can see exactly why you chose them. It's almost obvious. That is absolutely groundbreaking. It's a major commitment because you see it from both an investment perspective. This this company is not just aligning themselves or, or leveraging the issuance platform, but they've actually taken an actual stake. Similarly, as we've seen with the Euronext taking a, a stake in Tokeny, we're seeing major, major institutions not just leverage the technology, but invest in it too, which I think is absolutely awesome to see too. Fantastic. So thank you for to the Fundament Group for, for reaching out, letting us know uh, on Twitter. They've been very supportive of the show and, and what we've been working on, and, and we're really excited to see them them. You know, build this business. Congratulations. They've earned Company of the Week, no doubt. Moving forward into the news, we also have some information from Deutsche Bank using the EOS or EOS mainnet to tokenize bonds. So this is some of the the first sort of inference around EOS focusing on security tokens. There have been dallings here and there. But the Deutsche Bank digital bonds team or D-bonds team had decided to leverage the EOS mainnet in this case to launched the DBAAAAA bond, the first ever issued bond here uh, with the EOS protocol, I believe. Um, And essentially, it was definitely just an R&D demo type test. You can actually go and and look at the information around it where we'll include the link in the description for wherever you're listening to for you to go personally check it out. 
Uh, but it looked like it was just about a $4,500 bond uh, with some transactions using the DUSD stablecoin running on the EOS uh, protocol wow. to help you know create sort of a fixed income instrument here that works completely on the blockchain. So very exciting to continuously see week after week new bank adoption of the technology. And from our perspective, at least over the last four months of coverage or so, a first for, for EOS getting into the game. Great work from EOS. They've had uh, some good news with their their new settlement with the SEC. Um, but that's quite a lot of acronyms there. So hopefully we'll be able to, to simplify this process a little bit more for user user optimization, I think, but but great for them. Layman's terms, <laughs> EOS worked with Deutsche Bank to launch a EOS-based bond <laughs> using their stable coin native to the platform. So good for them. That's fantastic. Another huge, uh, I think, again, institutional piece of news is Fat Brands, or the owner of six different fast food chains, including Fat Burger, which has over 200 locations selling what I can only imagine based on their name, Kyle, are big, greasy, and delicious burgers. Mm. And they have decided to tap into Cadence to do a $30 million bond securitization of the business intending to use the franchise fees that they earn to pay them off. Uh, and they aim to launch it by the end of 2019. There's a, a good Forbes article and a bit of coverage out there. But uh, to see a public company, by the way, Fat Brands is listed on the NASDAQ, leverage technology like this, embrace it. it it's just super clear that more and more companies just like it are going to follow suit. Cadence has been known as an issuance platform out of New York to focus on debt issuances. And they, they've done several already, ranging, I believe, anywhere from 20000 to $4 million. And I think this is definitely, the in that case, the biggest one yet and, and what I would definitely call maybe more of a major leagues. And I really wish them the, the best of success. It's an exciting offering. I like that structuring. It's, it's very cool. Obviously, the idea of, of opening a franchise for a lot of these businesses is a very successful value proposition. And, you know, franchise fees are a consistent coupon that, that theoretically would get paid off for this this bond issuance. So it's a, a pretty clear bond of you're getting paid a, a specific amount of coupons based off how many franchises is in this collection. And you, you get the rights to those. Presumably that could increase if they opened additional franchises. Maybe that's what they're raising the money for. Um, so no, it's, it's, no it's doubt cool. I'm looking forward to your, your actual details once we're able to, to get the coverage on it. But of course, there, there's nothing we can shed light on yet. Next up, we have some information direct from Twitter. One exchange, so the platform out of Singapore, has officially announced the first live trade on the platform, registered in their order book. You can actually go check it out when you sign up. And it's official. Security tokens are now trading in Asia. And we're going to see a lot more come from one exchange. Uh, and uh, even though this is probably potentially a, a demo live trade or not, I don't know. I know the platform is up and running and you can go sign up. So here we are. I know we're working hard on trying to get more information and data so that we can share that in our market update segment. Congratulations to that team. It's fantastic. And China's got a ton of demand for a lot of the other crypto products. So to see how they may shift their, their appetite as they have more access to, to real assets, it'll be very exciting. Next up, we have the SEC uh, giving their feedback and seeking input regarding the Boston Securities Token Exchange proposal, which was filed sometime in June. They have now finally responded with their classic SEC approach, a 129-pager <laughs> that I still haven't managed to get through and, and hope to do so if I learn anything from that. For, for sure, we'll share it on the podcast. 
But uh, essentially, there need to be a few rule changes in order for the Boston Securities and Token Exchange to actually go launch publicly. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the project, it's actually a joint venture, 50-50, between Box Digital and T0. And the difference here between T0 and the BSTX is specifically that the Boston Securities uh, and Token Exchange is going to be a full-on registered exchange, just like the NASDAQ or the, the uh, New York Stock Exchange. And ultimately, they intend to fully live trade securities just like any other exchange out there, but they'll all be tokenized. And fun fact, it's very interesting. The platform intends to actually use their own native token, the BSTX token, to also enable purchases on the exchange through the token, which for those of you coming from the crypto world is actually very similar to the Binance coin, where if you would go and purchase crypto on the Binance platform, you can actually use the Binance coin to, to save on your, your purchase. And I think that's actually rather interesting for a security token exchange to explore and leverage and definitely want to learn more about how all that goes. But of course, again, the SEC needs to make some changes in order for them to, to go live. They were established in 2018 and they're looking to hopefully be live sometime next year. And this is also very, very relevant to the traditional crypto blockchain space because Binance is obviously the largest crypto exchange in the world. They have the largest volume of, of many of the, the crypto uh, assets. And so Binance launched their token, which allowed you to skip those transaction fees via using their token. But there's been a lot of speculation over whether this is a security or not. And they've, they've ha begun a dialogue with the SEC regarding whether it's a security or not based off of many different factors. And so BSTX is also looking to do a similar issuance and, and may need to get that kind of clearance. So it may have ripples across many different industries based off of how the SEC views this token, whether it's a true utility token in terms of being able to facilitate those trades or whether it's a security I'm token. I'm sure there's a lot within the document that the SEC provided. Again, if I get anything out of that, we will share it here on the podcast. But if you want to go check it out yourself, it's in the description as well. So feel free, free, free to dive in. Next up, we do have from the equivalent of the SEC, the Financial Monetary Authority of Liechtenstein has once again put a, a, a platform on blast. So a couple of weeks ago, the LCX was put on notice saying that they are specifically not licensed by the FMA to perform any of the services that they are advertising. And in this case, uh, exchange platform Smart Valor is on deck uh, for the same exact issues advertising that they are an exchange and that they're specifically not registered or licensed with the FMA to conduct these financial services activities. And therefore, you should be aware and be very careful if you're going to participate in their, their technology. Now, we do know that the team itself was very excited about some news uh, of the Blockchain Act in Liechtenstein passing, which we're going to cover later in the episode. But ultimately, it seems like the, the FMA is going back to the book and saying, hey, Smart Valor, we know you're excited about this, but uh, make sure you, you're doing it the right way. And I'm, I don't know as far as their registration plans. I'm sure they're probably actively already looking into it. But their point is very clear. They're not currently licensed to do so. And so just be aware. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see a jurisdiction really put some of their companies on blast like this. I think it's healthy, hopefully, for the market so that Smart Valor can immediately correct those things that clearly the uh, FMA is not happy with. But it's 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 very dramatic. Yeah, for for sure. And you know, Liechtenstein is proving to be a very progressive in security token 
pro industry uh, country here. And with some news here from another European issuance platform, we own partnering with Mason Private Bank Liechtenstein, uh, which is part of actually the Mason Group, which is based out of Hong Kong. Tried to do a little bit more information on them to, to get in on the, the size, but they seem to be a massive conglomerate offering a, a variety of different services. I saw a number uh, of 950 million. Yeah, so there you go. That, that maybe gives some size. Asset under management. But um, specifically, this is the, the Mason Private Bank Liechtenstein, which essentially it's a, you know, the same idea. Their, their goal is to further adopt new financial services, allowing for product innovation and efficiency improvements, and specifically across Europe and Asia, which naturally, because this firm is both based out of Hong Kong and has a global presence, clearly it makes sense as a focus. So that's exciting news because this is, again, another example of a major group working with one of these tech providers and embracing the technology. Definitely. And speaking of embracing technology, uh, InvestReady recently made a big product announcement. I do, as always, have to give a, a quick disclosure. I am one of the founders and on the board of InvestReady. But we recently announced a new product service where we can offer instant income verification for accredited investors. This is major news, really. I'm not just plugging this. It's, it's something that we've been working very long and hard to make possible. The friction created by having to verify and qualify an accredited investor is one that can turn people off. It is complex. It can take time. There's sometimes back and forth to it. Our technology streamlines that process and makes it easy to automate for the investor uh, with also privacy in mind for them. And in this case, we have now made it possible to actually, if you're a U.S. investor, verify your income within minutes, essentially. And this is major news because that means you can now qualify for a deal essentially instantly and make your investment right away, whereas before it really took a, a much longer period of time, sometimes 24 to 48 hours or, or a week or so for you to be able to fully invest online instantly if you were to, say, sign up for the first time ever and go through KYC and invest using crypto or a bank account, etc. So definitely, if you're interested in that, go check that out and then reach out to InvestReady if you want to leverage that technology. Uh, another big announcement from another issuance platform here out of the U.S., Swarm, the, the nonprofit, has announced Swarm Capital, which is a premium service provider for digitizing assets uh, and I, I guess is essentially their for-profit business built on top of the, the Swarm protocol which has been focused on developing an open regulatory compliant infrastructure for digital securities and as a nonprofit, you know, has been delivering on that mission, developing out their ecosystem. And I guess this makes sense to, to launch a, a business on top of it to help adoption of the Swarm protocol. They actually launched a, a first product already called Early Bird, which is a lead generator tool for issuers to gauge interest and gather data about their investor base before they actually launch their security token offering. So a, a sort of mini test the waters tool. And they say within two weeks of the soft launch, they, they've already had six issuers check it out and leverage it and with many more looking to, to take advantage of it as well. So I, I think that's very cool. The, the team at Swarm is very active in doing a lot of great things for the industry. And it sounds like with Swarm Capital, they're going to be able to do even more. Let's hope, let's hope that they can, can further the adoption and help issuers access more capital. That'd be great. Going back uh, across the pond to, to Europe here, Smart Lands, which uh, has been previously awarded a company of the week for actively issuing quite a bit of projects, has recently partnered up with IIP Securities, which is actually a U.S.-based broker-dealer 
to help Smartlands access U.S. capital and further facilitate their investments onto the platform and turn themselves essentially into a global investments and digital banking ecosystem. And this is a really smart move. Of course, if you want to leverage and have U.S. participation and you're not a U.S.-based company, you need to be working with a broker-dealer to work with investors. And ultimately, that process is typically one where people will buy or register themselves and can take a long time with the SEC. But in this case, they've gone ahead and partnered with an existing broker-dealer to to fast-track that process and start immediately accessing U.S. investors. And for sure, it does make them more of a global firm. Being able to show that you you can have a global audience is a, a very important thing, I believe, for an issuance platform. And it's exciting, Kyle, because now you and I can much, much easier access smart lands opportunities which is also super cool and for many of other listeners as well so congratulations to that partnership and looking forward to uh, smart lands bringing offerings to u.s investors because this is just one of those things that is is the exact point of security tokens right this new access to new investment opportunities that yesterday you definitely would have never been able to participate in and certainly not easily uh so again that's really good stuff in my book totally agree i think this is a great way to also bridge the two jurisdictions. I think that the U.S. certainly has been the most forward in terms of defining the private securities exemptions that that fundraising processes can can take on. But it seems like from the U.K. and E.U. perspective, they certainly have, have been more progressive in terms of actually having real assets leveraging these security tokens and have really, you know, had a lot of institutions become more excited about, you know, working in this space. So for Smartlands to not only do a great job of that in the the EU area, but also to then explore how to also leverage the U.S. capital markets, I think is fantastic. So a good move from them. Agreed. Uh, Liquify recently launched a report on tokenized bonds. Liquify is, uh, I believe, a U.S.-based issuance platform. And they wrote a great report on how specifically tokenized bonds are going to transform the fixed income market. And Kyle and I fully agree. I can speak for him. I know we have a lot of uh, topics and debates and, and focus around this specific use for security tokens. And we believe it's going to be one of the first to be adopted. I think the earlier news from Cadence as well as the, the news from Deutsche Bank make it very clear that that is indeed the case. And this is a really great overview and primer of why that's exactly going to be the case. So definitely go check that out. And last but not least, we do have an interview with the founder of CEO of Archax, uh, which is it Archax or Archax? Something like that. Not sure. One or the other. Regardless, they are a London-based exchange. And if you're curious about you know checking that interview out and learning more about what they're doing, you know this is directly from the source with the, the founder and CEO. So the, there's definitely some good tidbits of information in there. And that's all I have for you. And I'm excited to, as always, pass it on to Kyle here to hear the latest security token offering news and learn what, what's available to invest in. Well, what a week. That was a, a great rundown, Herwig. You, you just killed through that. So that's fantastic. Going into the security token offering news, we have an update on the Fundament Group's bond issuance. So if you remember, Fundament Group is the issuance platform out of Germany we had talked about earlier. Um, and they had, they had actually, in some of the articles I did research on for, for that segment we just talked about for my company of the week this week, um, I also found some additional information on their bond issuance. I feel like it's important to keep you updated. So just as a reminder, they, they did a $280 million real estate bond token sale 
open for both institutional and retail European investors. That went live October 8th, so that was last week. And the token was initially to be backed by five separate construction projects, with three of them in Hamburg, one in Frankfurt, and one in the university town of Jena, J-E-N-A. And so it was initially going to be backed by these five projects with the opportunity potentially to add more to that once they were able to successfully raise and successfully you know, build these projects. But the CEO of Fundament Group, Thomas Ermel, actually announced that the firm will also consider including some of the projects from their new investor, Browns, into their real estate portfolio for the token sale. So this may be expected as Balance, you know, provided a huge capital injection for them and, and acquired a, a large stake in the company that they would consider, you know, some of those portfolio pieces into this token sale. But that also is exciting because it means that Balance is ready to move now on this. This doesn't just mean that Balance is investing now to keep their eye on it in the future. This is more like, no, maybe we can actually get some Balance projects into this initial token sale and really get this thing off the ground. So that's fantastic. Again, Balance has $7 billion in assets in terms of real estate. So this is a, a huge partnership. Moving next into current media. So current media has a token that they were able to successfully fundraise for. I was unable to find a lot of information on their primary offering, but more importantly, the CRNC token is actually set to go live on Open Finance and its international partner network. So Open Finance is a security token exchange here in the US, as we've mentioned before. They have five or six assets live now on the platform. I believe it's five, it could be six. A few venture, um, you know, venture fund LP interest. They've got a, a few equity. And, uh, and so they're actually now going live with the CRNC token, Current Media. And so Current Media is a company that claims to have over 2 million registered users and that their token gives brands discounted access to add inventory within the current network and enables users to earn rewards faster when streaming music. So, you know, I'm not super clear on the underlying asset here at this point. I'm trying to do more research and hopefully I'll be able to find more information. Um, but it definitely seems like there's some, some user participation built into this token, which, which is interesting. Um, and so we'll have to find more information on the underlying asset and, and determine it from there. But they are launching from the securitized protocol and are set to go live on open finance in Q4. You say that's interesting, Kyle, and I know why, because user participation, and this is something we covered in last week's episode on the Crypto Rating Council and how they went about rating and coming up with their framework for figuring out what cryptos might look like a security. And one of those is having you know, the, the concept of a utility token and user participation, right? And so if this is a security token launched by Securitize, getting listed on open finance, you kind of wonder is what's going on here? Is this a security token or is this a utility token if you've got this sort of participation component to it? It's important. It's definitely very important to reiterate, as we always do, that a compliant ICO is not a security token, right? So just because you're taking the proper precautions to only onboard specific investors, that does not mean that it's a security token. And maybe you might feel that way, or maybe you feel that it should be considered that way, but I've had a couple of these discussions over the last week or two, Herwig, with many people in the space, and I think that that definition still isn't quite confirmed between everyone. It's not consensus. And, and the reality is that we saw Reg A+, private securities exemptions, conducted and concluded 
buy companies that do not have registered securities. And this is literally, we saw it with Blockstack, who closed their $23 million round and, and are now no longer, they're, they have not admitted it's a security and that in the future it may be a utility. And so just because they've used Reg A plus does not mean it's a security token. And so we'll have to make sure there's an underlying asset here. If it's not, then, then it, it is an important discussion we yeah. may need to have. We'll be circling back to that in the topic later today because that is certainly relevant. But uh, I know you've got a couple more to talk about, so go ahead. So Project Crowd, they are a freelancer portal that looks to connect independent contractors with jobs. They are launching their security token offering on the WeOwn platform on the day of launch, October 15th of this podcast. So on October 15th today, when you listen to this, the Project Crowd freelancer portal is, is actually doing a fundraise via the WeOwn platform. Information is not quite as clear on what that exact structuring looks like in terms of the terms of the deal, but definitely go check that out and take a look and see if you're interested in, in, in seeing another security token and, and taking a look at another deal. Uh, check out Project Crowd. That's all we got for security token news. We also have a, a, sm a small market update here. We've got the T0 token price, as I like to report for you guys and, and it's still down it's at a dollar 40 with just over two thousand dollars in trading volume today so that's i mean it's still if they do that over a five-day week they're still looking at, at ten thousand dollars in trading volume a week which is kind of around the numbers that that they were at um consistently over the year but it's still not great it, the the price is really far down the volume is that certainly hasn't maintained the consistent spike that they were hoping for once retail investors were able to participate. So they're still trying to figure out how to best best uh, boost the value here of this, of this exchange. Again, we've talked about it before. It really comes down to just listing more assets. So we'll see what they can do moving forward. The total STO market cap is, is just over, a hair over $100 million. We may cross back into uh, the double digits um, in terms of market cap. It's down about 2% today. And we're looking for, for some more news from Open Finance, which seems to be still struggling to get some volume, but they did launch their new token. So I wonder if, if they have any plans to, to onboard more investors or, or build more investor appetite for their platform. They certainly mentioned an investor network or an, a, an exchange network. So potentially there's some, some international investment interest as well. And then we'll see more from one exchange. So we're working right now to get KYC'd and be approved for their exchange. And once that happens, hopefully I'll be able to report you information on their token, whichever token they were able to successfully transact with, and how it performs on the secondary market. So everything's looking okay from there. We're, we're uh, you know, we're still yeah, a little I mean, ways away. We started the market update segment, I think, only five or six episodes ago when, when T0 officially launched, I think, open to the, the public and ultimately, I think we were around 150 million or so, conservatively rough estimates. So we've already seen a 30% drop in the market over the last few weeks. Now, given the market is very, uh, let's call it uh, saturated with one or two specific tokens, but at the end of the day, that's definitely a heck of a drop. Um, yeah, it's a shame. But we've seen a lot of good news. So, you know, if you're a consistent listener to this podcast, you shouldn't be feeling that discouraged, I think, right now, because a lot of the, the biggest plays, the things that we're most excited about in this space haven't gone live yet, right? No. A lot of these early tokens aren't, aren't making news really right now. We're seeing a lot of very institutional players with billions of dollars of assets under management. So if you're confident in those things, the market cap of these live secondary sale tokens that you don't even really care about, for the most part, shouldn't really 
can be ignored. If you yeah, know. yeah. Absolutely. You can see it in the news just this week. And also, I think you'll be walking away pretty excited after we finish today's episode and get to the main topic. But before we do, some information on upcoming events. And first, uh, there is uh, some coverage of the previous event of the Security Token Academy New York City event. So if you want to go check out more information about how the panel went, and there are definitely some good insights and opinions in there. So again, in the description from wherever you're listening to, you can go down to the events section and find out this coverage of the Security Token Academy event from last week, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're actually recording here out of sunny Los Angeles. Not as sunny as Miami, but definitely sunny Los Angeles. And uh, we're excited to be speaking at Crypto Invest Summit. I'll be moderating a panel on compliance, accounting, and record keeping on the security token track. And followed by my panel is Kyle's panel, which he'll be moderating. Uh, Specifically, you want to talk a little bit more about your panel? Yeah, the tokenizing, trading, and investing globally panel. So Herwig, yours is at uh, 145, I believe, and mine's at 245. So I I follow you. Um, So we'll have some interesting uh, investors on the board and and an attorney here or there. So it should be a good time. So if you happen to be listening at the show right now, three hours before our panels, because that's when it'll have been released. Oh, that's true. It's on Wednesday. So never mind. You'll have till tomorrow if you're happy. Happen to be here in LA, come come schedule it in your calendars and come check it out. Come check out the yeah Wednesday at one forty five and two forty five. We're also in LA for the for until Thursday morning we fly out. So if you're in the area, we'd love to meet up, get a coffee, get a beer, uh, or uh, or do something fun. So definitely reach out if you're in the area and and we'll we'll try to meet up. And of course, we do have the event in Dubai at the same exact time. Uh, which is the World Blockchain STO Summit. And for those of you who are there, hopefully it's, it's going to be a great event and we're looking forward to, to seeing what kind of coverage and news and information that comes out of that pretty pretty large event as well. I'm looking forward to it. Dubai is, is slowly becoming very interested in the space and, and hopefully they can uh, keep that momentum going. But now, Herwig, we've got, uh, we've got the, the ending segment, the one that we're, we're most excited about, and that's our main topic. And so today we're talking about security token legality. We spent an episode, maybe five or six episodes ago, discussing you know some of these details of the regulation and who's really defined security token. And so as we've said earlier in the episode, and as I think it's important to consistently reiterate until every country around the world has defined STOs, is that we define an STO as a is a digital representation of an asset or right to an investor. And so that's a legally binding contract between the digital token and the underlying asset or right. Underlying asset being equity, ownership in a business or ownership in a specific real world asset. But it could also be rights to an asset in terms of rights to future revenue. It could be a rights to a coupon of a bond. It could be rights to, to governance and other things as well that can be included in that investment package. And so that's how we define as a security token, is a, is a asset-backed digital token. And many jurisdictions around the world have defined it exactly the same way. Perfect. And that's what's exciting. That's why we're saying they are officially legal. Yes, they've been legal all along. We know. Uh, but ultimately, what we're getting at is that there are now over 12 jurisdictions around the world that have officially put out legislation focused on defining security tokens and as well, typically at the same time, cryptocurrencies and the like. And specifically, we have news, a little more information from Russia, a great article covering 
uh, all, all everything that's happening out of Russia, and also Liechtenstein passing their own progressive blockchain act uh, just uh, uh, two weeks ago. So let me first give you guys a little bit of coverage on the crypto bill out of Russia. There's actually three of them. The focus really is the third bill, which is the one that's primarily designed around clarifying STOs and ICOs. But it's worth mentioning that ultimately the three bills do define it similar to the FCA as we've seen, where they have the their exchange tokens, utility tokens, and security tokens. Russia will be defining them as utility or technical tokens, security tokens, and virtual assets or, or the equivalent of exchange tokens via the FCA. Uh, I think that's one of the more popular approaches that we've seen by other jurisdictions as well and makes complete sense to have a, a clear definition between the three. Uh, more so companies who want to actually assist in the fundraising process, and it's unclear if this is providing the technology or more specifically focused around the fundraising and crowdfunding angle, but regardless, they will need to register with the central bank in order to offer those services, similar to a, a broker-dealer or a registered crowdfunding portal here in the U.S., but uh, you know, they're, they're clearly going to be regulating this thing uh, very strongly. There are also current laws in Russia already preventing retail investors from investing all of their money into private offerings, and in this case, also STOs and ICOs. And this is actually, the limit is 600,000 rubles. And for those of you not familiar with your conversions, that's about 9,000 US dollars that they are, are limited to investing. Russia's central bank, finally, is also worth mentioning, has a, a definite strong opinion about Bitcoin, if you will, calling it a high-tech pyramid scheme. So there's definitely tension in, in the country, but the, the, the government is very clear that they are looking to enter into the new age of finance and clarifying uh, this, the, the security token laws and ICO and cryptocurrency regulations. So it's safe to say they're officially bullish. They're, they're officially in on the race. I'm happy that they, that they draw that distinction. I think that that Regardless of how you feel about Bitcoin, security tokens is really just digitizing current securities. It's, it's essentially taking paper securities from the 80s and putting them into the online world in the 2000s and 2010s, right? Most of the equities or, or stocks or bonds that you're trading are through brokerages online anyway. And so we're essentially just kind of making the same jump from you know, traditional securities into a, a more digital form that can be exchanged even more freely than the way that we're doing them now. And so... You know, regardless of how you feel about crypto, it's good. I'm happy that Russia is, is supporting and embracing this this new vehicle for securities. Yeah, uh, I think it's super because they're also a major country in the world, and uh, they're they're showing the light that there's a, reinforcing the fact that there's a sort of three pronged model, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, I yeah. think is is great. Moving on, Liechtenstein had a little bit more of a progressive, if not one of the most progressive approaches, probably even more progressive than Malta, I think. Love to see it. Uh, and even so progressive, in fact, <laughs> Kyle, that it's actually not called the Blockchain Act. They, they, in fact, reference blockchain very little, if at all, throughout the entire language in an effort to future-proof the laws themselves. Wow. So they actually refer to it as Tokens and Trustworthy Technology Service Providers Law, which translates into the TVT, TVTG law. And ultimately what they're referring to blockchain in this case is trustworthy technologies. Hmm. Uh, so that, that's an interesting approach. And they do have something called the token container model, 
which is essentially a framework designed to encompass tokenization of just about anything. So that's why I mean that they're more progressive, where they're very pro-crypto, but pro-rights, pro-really tokenizing actions, events, rights, assets, securities, cryptos, stable coins, commodities, etc. They, they've gone into it extensively, and I look forward to learning more about the token container model myself as I do my research. But I think this is very big news. The, the country's always been very pro digital securities and security tokens for a while, and now it's really official, and the laws themselves will kick in 2020. This is cool. They kind of essentially said, we don't know what exactly is going to take off, so we're going to define everything we can so that no matter what you want to do, you're going to be able to do it. That's fantastic. That's, that's some active participation from a jurisdiction that we certainly haven't seen in many others. So bravo to them for being so transparent and, and being so collaborative because the reality is is that the quicker that we can do exactly what they've done in as many jurisdictions, the, the quicker this is actually going to benefit small businesses, benefit the investors that aren't able to access. It's going to really benefit the people. So you know, the, the quicker that we can make you know, this possible is, is better. Um, total, totally agree. In fact, we've seen over the last couple months of coverage, numerous other jurisdictions get into the game and also define security tokens. I don't think it's because they listened to our podcast. I think they did it proactively and it's, it's really great. We started covering that list of countries that do have sort of official security to- token language or are in the works of something and they, they have shared it with the public. Kyle, I think you have that list. Yeah, we've got a few other countries as well. The UK, Switzerland, Abu Dhabi, with Dubai interested as well. Gibraltar, Malta, Seychelles, Japan, Singapore, Taiwan, and Thailand. All have have had official security token definition language. We excluded a few from this list that have approved some sort of security token infrastructure without specifically defining it. Um, one of those maybe being being the US. And so the question kind of is, Herwig, where does the US stand? Yeah, that's a a very popular question, Kyle, and you're right, uh, because in fact, security tokens have not been defined in the U.S. I would say right now that the 12 or 13 countries and jurisdictions that we've just mentioned are more progressive right now than the U.S. by proactively going ahead and defining security tokens so that digital securities infrastructure can emerge But also, I think the other component to consider is also the investor protections, right? It's one thing to have the traditional investor protections. It's another to now be investing in a new instrument and to have uncertainty as to how and what rules and what new regulations are needed in order for this to be still a safe investment. And the U.S., Uh, has existing securities laws already. That's what the current security tokens are following. As you pointed out earlier, we have companies that are now cryptos that are doing compliant ICOs. So in this case, they are ICOs that are following U.S. securities regulations, but they themselves, based on at least these other jurisdictions that we're referring to, would not qualify as security tokens in those other regions. So in this case, that's why we are encouraging and urging the SEC to indeed create some kind of language around defining security tokens. They don't necessarily have to do a full-on approach like these other countries have, if you will, regarding also you know stepping on other um, toes because of the, the commodities and uh, utility tokens. That definitely is not just a, an SEC decision. And this might also require Congress uh, participation as well. Who knows? So... Uh, 
2020 is not over, and we do hope that the U.S. is going to have some kind of de- definition around it. We have many of you have also helped us voice our support with feedback to the SEC. So we know the SEC is actively listening and actively looking to optimize their their private exemptions and potentially in regards to security tokens as well. Thinking on that subject, so. With that, the SEC or the USA is specifically a sort of an asterisk, which is they have securities frameworks. Security tokens are legal there, and you can issue them, and they're trading. But at the end of the day, the United States themselves have not taken the step to define security tokens in their own manner and their own right. Uh, and the rest of the world is starting to do so. Almost 10% of the world has now have some kind of language or, or legislation around this. So for 2020, I, I look at those countries as the leading innovators in the space, the early adopters with the rest of the world looking to catch up, looking at them as the ones for examples and for also making mistakes and to figure out you know, how the second mover, movers will actually uh, adopt this technology. But you know, for us being so bullish on the space, Kyle, I have to say congratulations to those regions that have gone ahead and, and clarified security tokens because I think 2020 is definitely the year of the security token. And with, again, that asterisk around the USA, those regions are going to be the, the front runners next year. I think it's really just, you're totally right, that we're seeing a lot of great progress here in 2019. And the U.S. is, is upholding what a lot of people have seen in traditional financial markets in the sense of the SEC takes a while. And, and they're, they're not doing it very quickly, but that's okay. The reality is that we do need some standardization. I think that that's, that's the biggest key for me is that with the U.S. defining a security token, it would allow for standardization of what that definition means and what these assets are across multiple international jurisdictions because the, the trading between jurisdictions and, and that piece of it is still yet to be tested, sure, is yeah. still yet to be explored, and without proper definitions from each side, it does make it a little bit confusing. Um, so that's a huge piece of it as well is that for, if, you know, for 2022 be the year of the security tokens, I think that we, we need that standardization of the definition. And, and certainly we see it coming from many of these countries. And let's hope that, that they continue to do so throughout the rest of 2019 and into 2020 so that, that by the end of it, we'll be ready to go. So there you have it, folks. Security tokens are officially legal. And 2020 is going to be a heck of a year. We're, we're still going to be, uh, of course, doing our in-depth coverage throughout the rest of the year. Exciting uh, advancements that will come out. And we hope you continue to follow us and listen. And I want to thank you for, for listening. Thanks for everything. Talk to you next week.